Hey guys, welcome to the Kevin and Fred show. My name is Kevin Kaufman. I'm your host. And I just want to say thank you for taking some time out to listen with us this week. Do me a favor. If you don't mind, before we get to today's guest, head on over to ratethispodcast.com. That is ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA. That stands for next level agents. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA and leave us a review or just go to any podcast player that you prefer and uh, look us up, The Kevin and Fred Show, and please leave us a review. That is the best way to support our efforts here in the show. All right, let's get to today's episode. What's up, Kevin? How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for uh, joining me. I just want to say I'm super thankful for you coming on. I think the listeners should know that you and I, we get on a call about every four or five weeks now and I'm trying to figure out some challenges and build my business. So you're like just a huge influence. So I was like, I've got some more questions to ask you. Why wouldn't we just push record and let the world hear what we got to say? Well, I'm excited too. I appreciate that, man. And I'm also excited because last time you and I pushed record, it was, uh, I got to put you on the hot seat and ask you a bunch of questions. So I'm excited to, to run this back the other way. Right on, man. Let's go back a little bit. So I want people to know, I know your story, but I want the listeners to know your story. Let's just do a two, three minute overview of what got you into real estate? Like what inspired you to actually get your license and just how it's evolved over like the 15, 16 years that you've been doing this? Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a great question. And I appreciate you asking that because it means this particular part of my story, which I don't get to talk about much, means a lot to me. I had a uh, teacher and I was going to junior college. Um, I was going because I was like a working adult. Um and I realized at a certain point that I was just like, I was never going to make it in corporate America where I worked at the time. Uh, I worked for GE. Um, and it turned out a big promotion for me, would have been a big promotion. And I was just like going to school, wanting to learn how to work for myself. And I had this gentleman, his name is Professor Goodner, <laughs> and he made an impact on me. He talked to me about real estate. He talked to me about money. He talked to our whole class about it, but it kind of kind of lit a fire for me. And so I, I reached out to him and I kind of made him my first sort of official mentor by default because I just started asking him questions and I started taking every class he taught for like two years. And while I was, I thought I was learning how to be a real estate investor, what that ultimately led me to was becoming a real estate agent. Cause the thing he instilled in me probably in the first time we ever had coffee was hey, dude, you're going to need to have a job for at least five, 10 more years. I know you want to be this investor guy. You need an actual income every month though. And so my natural thought process of just not really know, you know, I'm like ready, fire, aim was cool. I'll just get a job in real estate. Like if I have to keep working, I might as well just go get a real estate license and sell real estate, having no clue what that meant. So you just get right into the business or were you working a job in corporate and then also doing real estate? Like how long did that go? Uh, so, so effectively what I did is I, um, I signed up for real estate school, started dragging my feet. And then I just realized I, I can't do this. And so, uh, I'm an all in or all, or all out type of guy. So I quit my job and I finished real estate school and, uh, then I decided to start selling real estate. So right that was, um, I mean, that was, that was what I did. Cause I'm, I knew that real estate was my path. I just didn't really know what was going on or how I was going to make it work. Uh, you know, it was the end of, it was like May, 2007. So for those of us who were in real estate then knows that the market was not awesome in Phoenix at that time. And uh, that's, but that was just happened to be the time I was doing it. So I, I just, you know, head first. Right on. That's when I, around when I jumped in and that was an interesting time. I think for you and I, probably where we 
it was probably actually good that we didn't go through that was our first market. And so we just didn't know any better. So I sometimes tell people like, it was just kind of, I needed to make money. And some people, they came from getting higher commissions or selling higher price homes. I just kind of came into it all falling apart. So I thought it was like, great. Cause I, not, not that it fell apart, but I was kind of like, this was a good experience to go through. Cause I've known no different. So now as the markets change, I'm just like, that's what I came into. I was I was born in the chaos of real estate. Therefore, when markets switch, I'm like, all right, let's just figure this one out. It sounds like that was the same for you. Oh, dude, hundred percent. Like I, I see it as an advantage. It, it was, it was, I saw it then as an advantage and, you know, fast forward 14 was going to be 15 years here pretty soon. I now know to a great level, what an advantage that that was for me. Okay. So now how has the team evolved? Cause I, my goal was, is to get you on here because I know most people who know you just look at you as just a successful realtor, right? And, and you are, I want to just go through how that evolved of, you know, cause I know you don't really have your hands in the day-to-day -day transactions anymore, but I know you once did. So I want people to see kind of the starting journey of how that happened and then how you got out of that role. So just kind of go through the 15 years, just a two minutes of, of how that process worked with your team. Yeah. So I, I've got a business partner, Fred, and he and I, started officially working together February of 08. And uh, that started officially because unofficially we did a few deals together later that summer of 07 and then decided partnering and just really, we weren't even trying to partner. We we're just trying to help each other make money because we were both doing short sales in 08. And so February of 08, we start working together. He brings his listings, I bring mine. And we just try to start building something, right? Truthfully, we we were just trying to survive. And what happened over time was we realized we were onto something. We knew how to close short sales, which not a lot of people did. And then we were good about seeking out mentors and getting a lot of help from people. And so we kind of got a lot of unofficial coaching and mentorship from some people that have, you know, had come before us. And so we started to build this real estate team like right away. And so in 08, he and I officially became business partners and we probably closed 60 transactions that year, which was, it was tough. Cause like about 45 of those closed in the fourth quarter. Cause you know, short sales are anything but short. Right. So it was a battle. Um, and we made, man, we made every mistake there is. And so if you look at our business in like 08 and 09, and it just kept going up through the end of 2012, like we just kept selling more and more homes every year, we were effectively the listing agents and the short sale negotiators. And we, we eventually, evolved to hiring buyers agents. And then sometime in like 2000, I think 11, early 11 or 10, we hired an agent, promoted them to like the lead buyers agent. We started this like showing assistant model that Gary Keller, who was our mentor at the time, uh, was, was really promoting. And so we decided to give that a shot. And that was great. And we really like, if you've ever read Millionaire Real Estate Agent, and I know you have Chris, mm -hmm. but like for the listener, we really were a very much an MREA team. If you looked at our model, like the way just, we took short sale listings instead of regular listings. Right. Obviously in 2012, that started to change a lot of things. Now there's another part of that story where Fred and I got distracted and we actually became regional directors for Keller Williams Realty. We literally left the state of Arizona. Our business was still running in 12, um, but it was also falling apart. And so at the end of 12, like we both realized, like, I, we just can't, I can't wear shoes every day, <laughs> much, less, much less nice clothing um, and report to somebody. So we, we stepped out of that job pretty quickly, came back to Arizona as our 
two things were happening. Our business was truthfully falling apart because we were terrible leaders. And then uh, the market was shifting. Like we went from everything was a short sale to almost nothing's a short sale anymore. Nothing's an REO anymore. And I, we had to learn how to be realtors. So the end of 2000, by the end of 2012, and I mean this literally, Chris, every person we had with us that worked in sales, either taking listings or working with buyers had quit, walked out the door. So that left me and Fred. And so coming into 2013, I literally look at Fred. I'm like, well, I was like, I'll take listings. He took buyers and we, we had to start over. And, uh, you know, I always tell people 2013 is actually the year I learned how to be a realtor because that was the year I had to learn how to win a listing. And I actually had to go to somebody's house to get it because I'd taken, you know, hundreds and hundreds, if not a thousand short sale listings to that point, pretty much exclusively over the phone. Um, and now I had to convince somebody who was in a, you know, convince someone to hire me to sell their house. And so that was the, that was our first real big shift in our, in our business model. And how, so how long did you do that position Were you, so when you guys, when the market changed and you knew like, Hey, I have to actually sit at a kitchen table and compete probably with other realtors and not just be like the specialist of one thing. How long did you do that before you realized like, that you didn't want to do it? You weren't, that you didn't feel equipped to do it or that you just were like, Hey, I'm going to hire someone to take over that task. Well, to be clear, I didn't feel equipped to do it right away. And I also didn't want to do it right away, but I also knew it was how I was going to survive, right? Mm -hmm. Money. Um, ironically, you know, 2012, we sold 219 homes. Didn't, I don't know that I listed any of them myself personally, uh, but in 2013, when it was just us, we only sold like about 130, 140 homes and we both made a whole lot more money that year, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and we, dude, we had to do it. Like, so we just made it happen. Um, it took most of 2013 to really figure out how to become a good listing agent. Russell Shaw, who's, who's been a longtime friend and a bit of a mentor to, to me, always said like, you know, the way you become a really good listing agent, you start out as a really crappy one first, and then you're less crappy. And then you're kind of not crappy at all, but you're not good. And then eventually you get good. And then eventually you get really good. And I, man, I live that progression. I really truthfully did the way he the way I remember him explaining that one time, like that was me in 2013 into early 14. So I went from the point of like, dude, I was, I've always been good about, I can get appointments, got really good about tracking, you know, my coach, Glenn, he was always been on us. I mean, the guy's been my coach since 2011, since January of 11. Um, he was always on us about tracking. So I knew that I was just terrible at getting listings. And so I knew where I had to get better. And then eventually I went from, you know, taking, 20, 30% of the appointments I went on to 60, 70% of the appointments I went on for listings. And it was mostly due to Glenn and, and Glenn's wife, Ray, who helped me to, to really polish my listing agent skills and understanding to, to the point of your question, I never wanted to do it the whole time. I just had to make, I, but I needed the results. I had to make it happen. So we did that through 13. Um, we hired a salaried showing assistant sometime in 13, um, 14, sorry. Steph joined us in 2014 in April. So like, yeah, next month will be eight years that she's been with us. And then sometime around 2000, it was not sometime. It was July of 2014. Had a conversation with Brett Tanner where I was, I, we, at the time him and I owned a, a Keller Williams uh, franchise together. And I said to him, Brett, will you sell me on your model? And he said, what do you mean? I was like, tell me about your, I, I'm doing this MRA thing over here. You're clearly not. Tell me that. Tell me what you do. 
And so he laid it out for me and I was like, mind blown. I'm like, that's what I want. Like I wanted to get further away from the transaction. Uh, so I went back to the office. I told Fred about it. We then, Ben Kenny is a really close friend of ours. And I think uh, the couple of weeks later, we'd already scheduled, we were going, he was like, he's always been so gracious and trying to help us. We had gone, we went to, to, to Bellingham where he lives and stayed with him and kind of just shadowed him for two or three days at work. And we saw how his models worked and how much different they were than ours. And we, between the conversations with Brett and with Ben, we sort of formulated our own, like, this is going to be our model. This is how, in my words, like what I would myself talk, Chris was, this is how I'm going to get out of the living room. This is the business. Like we, and we literally decided to draw a line in the sand. And so sometime towards the end of 14, we really shifted things. We took our salaried buyers agents. At that time we had two, turned them into commission only, but also gave them the ability to take listings. And then I had to go start hiring more agents to the team while I was, and at this time I'm really good at taking listings and now I'm trying to scale what we have because we know the direction that we want to go. So that was a really big change for us. Sorry, that's a windy answer. No, it's good. So why do you think that certain agents go the direction of trying to get out of the living room and some stay in it? Because like you and I, like we, we know each other, we, we have totally different paths, right? So we've been doing it almost the same. And, you know, I probably was in four living rooms over the last two days taking listings. And what, what do you think it is? Like, is it is it just a, like, is it just personalities or like, what do you think that is? Cause I think there's a lot of listeners that some of them want to get out of the living room, which probably shouldn't yet just cause they're not there. I think it's fair to do something in your business that you tell yourself, honestly, like, I don't enjoy doing this, but I have to do it. There's a healthy respect of knowing like, Hey, I'm doing this. I want to get out of it, but I still have to do it versus, so- versus maybe being in a financial position where you can truly say like, I don't have to do this anymore and I can afford my lifestyle to get out of it. Where do, where do you think that changes for different people? So, man, I think you actually just hit the nail on the head in, in between what you just said is there's some nuance there, right? I think some people, I don't think I know, cause I, I mean, like for a living since 2014, I've basically just talked to other real estate agents, right? Um, what, what I have, what I think I have observed is there are people who never get out of the living room, so to speak, for one of two reasons. Number one is um, they cannot give up the additional income that it would cost to from a cost of sale, right? Because once you have another agent do it, all of a sudden there goes a big portion of the income, right? So what happens is real estate agents, we all, we've all seen this, some of us have lived this, is like my income goes up, so do my living expenses, now I need every, and so I always need every single penny, even though I'm making a lot more money today than I was three or four years ago. So there's that aspect of it. There's also the person that um, they can afford it uh, and they are control freaks and they assume that nobody could do the job as good as them. And therefore they must do everything. And that, re- and they might be, they might be great at it, but the reality is, is their need to control things stop prevents them from what they really want. Those are the two things that typically stop people from it. Now there's some weirdos I know that are like, they're just, <laughs> they love it. Like I think of my buddy, Jeff Glover, that guy's a really great, like he just recently, I think started to stop doing it because he's got so many other businesses going, but he's like, he's a ama- he's an amazing salesperson and he enjoys it. But most people fall into those two categories of they can't afford to, or they're control freaks and they're unwilling to let things not be perfect. 
the on the other side of it, it's like where I think you and I probably tend to be very similar is I just I knew that while I would do it when I needed to, if I had to, uh, to make the income, I just did not want my my income to be dependent upon me me doing that job. I'm willing to do other jobs. I'm willing to do that job if I have to. It's just way down on the list of things that I want to do given the given the choice. And so for me, it was about choice in my activities and the way my income is generated because the freedom I believe that it gives me. Uh, like I'm not willing to work weekends. I'm not willing to work at night. And, and therefore I knew I needed a different sort of business model. And so for that, you know, I think that's why some people, other people do it because they have other desires or they want to grow the business as big as possible. And they're aware that if they're doing that thing, that's going to prevent them from doing something else that could impact the growth of their business, you know, where they could really make a huge impact. I think the two things you said are like the, the truest of, I think a lot of it's just the finances. I really truly think that if people just didn't have that income creep come into their life, if, if, you know, they make another hundred thousand, spend another hundred thousand, if they could just get finances under control, that they would eventually just be able to get out of the game quicker. Um, but I think the second one you said is the one I'm working on the most and we can go into this, but you said control freak. And I've learned this over the last two years uh, probably more in the last year and a half with Glenn as our coach that we share um, or, or that we both talk to is we talk about control. And what I'm realizing now is I am a control freak. I'm actually honest to say that I feel that I do things the best. And what we found out is, and I have to look myself in the mirror now every day and say, no, you actually don't, you know, just because you got this ship to where it's at doesn't mean you're the best at it. It just means you got the ship to where it's at. Now, be humble enough and look in the mirror and say, could have this went further if you would have actually let some of it go? And I have to argue with myself and reconcile and say, yeah, it could. So I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about when you let go of control, you have to have controls in your business as a business owner to look at. And so I want to go into that because it was actually a question that I had for you is as you've scaled this team, Kevin, and it's something I'm trying to work on, what are like your business metrics? Because you don't, you're not in your real estate company. I don't believe a lot of hours a week. So is there, how do you sit down and really like, what are the metrics that you look at without getting granular to say like my business is doing okay? Is it just a PL or are there other like leading, uh, leading metrics? There's definitely leading things. I was just having this conversation uh, today because of um, something that, that occurred yesterday. Um, so here's what, here's what we figured out. Uh, and because we do, we do track metrics and very aware of those things. I know that in my business, in, and when I say my business, Group 4610, over thousands and thousands of appointments and thousands of transactions, we know that if an agent on our team schedules 10 appointments with buyers and sellers, that seven and a half of those people show up to the appointment. We know that five of those people hire us. and We know that two to three of those close a transaction in the next 12 months. And so I'll give you a perfect example, Chris, here. Uh, I think it was 2000, if it, I think it was 2015, I guess it could have been six, no, nah, maybe it was 16, whatever. It was at some point, Fred and I, our business lost about $100,000 in the first three months of the year. Okay. Neither one of us were scared. And the reason why is we'd seen as we were, because part of it, you got to understand, like, so we also, maybe another part of the story I should tell is, 
in 15, yeah, it was 16. So because in 15, we both were like, dude, we're completely out of the transaction. Like, I'm not willing to do this, not even over the phone anymore. And so um, we knew that our conversion ratios would go down, but we also were aware, like we already had an idea of that 10, seven and a half, five, two and a half number that I just shared with you, right? So what we had seen though, in that first quarter is we had seen how many new clients were hiring us and we knew how many closings were coming the rest of the year. So like, we weren't scared even a little bit, like not that it felt good to lose money. Um, however, we were not scared at all. So we really got clear on those metrics uh, of, of appointment down to actually being able to put a dollar in the bank account, right? And so knowing those things, those are the lead metrics that we, that we were able to do is based on appointments. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the, the P&L thing is, is important. We still review that at some point. And I think 2015 or 16, we started, um, we started doing this thing where we just literally review every single dollar we spend every single week, which sounds um, over the top, but it's really, it's really not. Like if you just do it weekly and you're just looking for things that are either- um, It can get away from you, huh? Yeah. If like, it get, like we we're I'm doing it now just in my business. Like I, I have to focus on so many different things now that there are times where I'll have to say outside of a PL, I look at the big picture, but now I'm like, Oh, I got to print off a bank statement here and there. And you'll go through it. Sometimes you're like, Hey, that's 160. That's 180. I mean, I don't think I'm myself, we don't times that by 12 and we're like, Whoa, that's five G's. That's seven G's. That's three G's. I mean, that's a lot of G's and just one year off, just scratching off things. You're like, this is a waste of money. Yeah. And it's really easy. Like when, especially when there's a lot of deals closing and you just like, yeah, that like that expense creep, man, it just, it gets in there. So we just did that. And so it's forced us to stay honest, to not be drunken sailors when we're spending, you know, we're spending money, um, which is good. Cause Fred and I are both like, we're okay. We're both okay. Taking risks. And so um, it's good to have that kind of control check in there. What I see about you that I think that you, and you probably know, and someone's probably told you, but you, when you speak, you have these hard rules of like what you won't do. And I, I think that's where you probably have drawn the line in the sand with what you'll, you're willing to do for money or not. Because yeah. you've said a few times like, hey, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I don't think enough times we don't make a list and sit down and say, you know, because sometimes we go around and we just like complain about things. Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But yet we're living our life. So it's like you could actually sit down and say, I'm not trading this for money anymore. And you've just drawn a line in the sand. And you're like, I'm not doing this, this, and this. And if that job is going to, you know, go outside of my boundaries that I've set up internally for myself, then I'm passing it off and I'm not going to trade that peace of mind for income because then you just run into becoming an internal mess because you're just trading yourself out for money. Um, but you say that, like you say those things very hardcore, like I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And, I mean, cause, and I mean it because like, yeah, I mean it. So what do you think, um, like with your team right now, who, like who runs that then? Cause I know you don't spend a ton of time into it. So do you have like a good leadership? Cause I'm trying to figure that out internally right now in my company is how does your operation look from not just agents, but who's, who's talking to the agents, holding them accountable. Is it Fred or is it, is it different than that? Nah, you know, so I, I should be really clear here. Like we've gone through different iterations, right? Um, there's not a lot of accountability holding in our organization these days. Okay. Um, Fred and I don't do well with people that need to be held accountable. Um, you should want to do your job. And I'm not saying that if I 
I am very clear that if I decided to hold people accountable and be more present and active in the business that we, I know that we would sell more homes. I just don't care. I just don't, cause I don't want to do that. Going back to your last point, I don't want to. So that said, um, I think what we've been able to build is a community and a tribe with the people that we have. And so we have this combination, truthfully, of some really good systems. There was a point where we were scaling our team across the country. We started selling real estate outside of Arizona in September, 2014. So like literally we've had an expansion team now for seven and a half years, which, um, there, there was some good and some bad that came out of that. Some of the good is like, it's created some really great systems for us. And, um, and so we've got, and we've got the secret sauce of and the most amazing administrative transactional professional you've ever met in this business named Jill. And she's the glue and she's super intelligent and everybody loves her. It's kind of how I always describe her as like half mama bear, half football coach. Like she will, um, she, she will tell you where you're screwing up and, you know, pat you on the butt and you'll love her for it and realize that how much better you are. And she can have those hard conversations. And we're just very clear on who we are. So there's no sort of like, you know, if I was interviewing you for the team today, I'm not, I wouldn't be telling you like, Hey, I'm going to do this, this, and this for you. I'm going to say, here's all the things that are available to you. Here's what this looks like. There's a weekly mentorship zoom that my business partner, Fred does. There's these other things. And then everything else we have is basically automated or kind of from the tribe, if you will. Um, and so we're that, that, that's the thing that allows us. Now we've done little things like accountability groups that last for like six weeks at a time that have been super effective for us, but we, I don't hold people accountable. I just, I don't want to be in business with people that I have to hold accountable. And let's go this direction now is where did you um, like, where did you find this? Uh, like you're a great connector. I feel in real estate, if, if I ever need something and I text you, I feel like within three minutes, you're texting me someone to get in contact with, right? Like, for example, I just wrote this down just because I see this in you where you're just willing to go out and talk to people and ask them questions. I'm the same way. I just think like, hey, all they could do is say no. I, like, I wrote this down. So Kevin, I use your bookkeeper, your tax attorney. I we use the same coach, podcast producer. Your sister-in-law does my transaction coordinating. You introduced me to the guy who um, helped me uh, hire my showing agents. You linked me up with Fred, who got me linked up with my uh, virtual assistants in Manila. And it's crazy because we've only been having conversations for probably, you know, I've known you for years just from afar, but we've probably only been having conversations for like nine months. Do, do, you, do you think that's like the secret sauce of real estate is just people willing to awkwardly reach out to people and ask questions and be willing to be denied? Uh, or, or what? Cause I see it in you where you like, you were like, I talked, you say, I talked to Russell Shaw and like, I've learned a lot from that guy and, but you keep using uh, Tanner and, and Ben Kenny. And I have like all these, I have like six, seven connections over the last five years. And you're one of them, thankfully that has just linked me up with stuff. That's a part of my story. Yeah. I think it has been for me for sure. Um, I realized like, even my going back to like why I got into real estate, that my first mentor, Professor Goodner, like, I'm just, I, I don't know, I've just always been willing, like, if, if I feel like I can learn something from you, and uh, I'm going to, like, selfishly, I'm going to go try to be your friend and learn something from you. Sure. And then, and I'm going to try to do it by returning value. And so, 
I think because of that, and like, it's a very natural thing for me though. So I want to be really clear. I don't feel like I have this special skill I've developed. It, I do think a lot of it is me, I've relied on my natural, the, the thing that I've done is I've become aware of it and I've learned how to harness it a little bit better. But like, even all those things that you just said that I've referred you to, I know, I, I didn't know that. Like, so, so some of that is like, it really, it's just super natural for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Cause I can see it from afar. Just you, I, I like if, for example, my currency with my clients is I feel like I get two or three texts a day of, Hey, I need a vendor. I need a vendor. And I'm that person to them where I'm like, that's cool that they text me and I'm solving their problem. And I realize that's why I get a lot of referrals. It's, it's, that's how I stay in contact with people. You're in the real estate community, like that person. If I was thinking, yeah. even with some of the people I've tried to get on my show, um, you know, I've used your name and they're like, oh, right, cool. You know, Kevin. And like right there, I'm like, that's, that's powerful for you to know that. But I, like you said, it's probably not intentional. It's probably even better. I don't think you can probably pull it off if it was super intentional. It's just organic, which is probably better. Yeah. I think you can't probably fake that. Like you could probably only oh. fake it so far. Right. And then, and then it just, people know, I think people know, people know when you're genuine or not. Yeah. And I think the reason I got into a lot of these relationships, because I didn't go into them asking them questions for pure personal gain. There was a genuine curiosity and, yeah. and I just wanted to, to, you know, I wanted to answer that curiosity. And so I think people respond well to that. What's the, uh, like, what's your main focus anymore? Like when you wake up, I, I've noticed that, you know, at each times of our careers, there's something that we're like, that you're putting your force towards. What, what is that for you right now? You know, it's funny, you just mentioned a second ago about how you like you what you are for your clients, how like a couple times a week, you got to, you're basically the referral directory for mm -hmm. your clients. That's me for real estate agents. Like I'm that for real estate. Agents. I have my clients still too, or my sphere of influence, you know, so I generate business for our sales team. I just don't transact it myself. But the majority of it is like, I'm like, how can I, how can I go out and help real estate agents? Truthfully, I, that's, that's, I probably, that's my number one thing that I think about every day. And, and if you looked at it from like a just pure realtor point of view, that's my sphere of influence. And I get up and I treat my sphere of influence in real estate as my sphere of influence. And so sometimes that looks like, Hey, can what you need a referral for a coach or you need a referral for a tax company, a tax attorney or, or a bookkeeper, or, Oh, you need to learn about how to farm or how to show it. Like, I'm just looking for opportunities. And I, the way I'm looking for opportunities though, is just by genuinely being in relationships with people. Yeah. And I listen, I don't know. I just, people will tell you what they need. If you listen, if you're focused on what you're saying and what you need, you're going to miss a ton of opportunities to help people. Right on. Now, as we're winding down here, go both directions on this for 2022. What are you like, what are you most excited about? And what do you see your biggest challenges are maybe from like the team aspect or business aspect. So most excited and also what you think the biggest challenges will be. You know, I think the most exciting and the biggest challenge on the sales business are kind of the same thing, which is um, it's harder and harder to compete. Uh, the consumers are more and more confused more than ever. And I think what that's, what's exciting to me as well as a challenge is we have to figure out how to, how to provide value and clarity to the consumer, to the average everyday home buyer and home seller. So I, I think those answers are really kind of one and the same. When it comes to like my other business of, I'll call it real estate agents, right? What I'm most excited about 
is like things you and I just talked about for the last few minutes. I've finally become, I've be, that's become blatantly clear to me um, in the last couple months to a year. And it's been a kind of a couple year process. You know, I started building a Facebook group called Next Level Agents. And then we started doing big live events. And so, and all of the speakers were just my friends from around the country that I would call. And I, I love putting, putting that together, sort of curating the content. And somebody said something to me during that process. It was Frank from, from Viral, who you know, um, who said something to me one time when I told him one of the guests and he was like, and he said something that is so inappropriate. I will not share it on okay. your podcast, Okay. Uh, but I'll tell you in person one time, but it was like, it was, it made me real. I was like, oh, this is something I do that it, it's kind of a skill in a way, even though I didn't think of it like that. And so it's been this process and my buddy Dustin Runyon has really like pushed me on this re in, the, in the last year or two. And it's just realizing that Hey, truthfully, like my client, I hate to use that word, is the real estate agent. I, I like I've realized that I'm a resource for realtors. I'm here to help other realtors, and I'm, so I've, I think the thing is, I've just gotten more and more clear on that. And as I've done that, I've realized that I have this ability because of the, like the connections you mentioned earlier, just that I made with you that I can help agents and brokers explore areas of their business where they're leaving money on the table or they're leaving opportunity on the table, or they're just not aware of something that's like, I've realized I have that ability. Not that I'm the, the Mr. Fix it for all of it, but I probably know who is. Yeah. Just an awesome connector, man. I appreciate you. So I'm so thankful, man, that you, you joined me today. Um, what's, as we end, what's one thing that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you that the listeners should know, or that you, some last sound advice from Kevin Kaufman? You know, what's funny, man. I realized this, this is going to sound so self-serving, the guy, okay. you know me. Um, but I, went, I had this experience yesterday. I went to this class with realtors here in Phoenix. It's a big one too. It's like a couple hundred people. And I just realized, I was like, I don't know any of these realtors. I don't know anybody here. I literally just don't, I don't know anybody except for the agents on my team. I didn't know it. I hardly knew anybody. And I think what I tend to overlook is the fact that, I mean, dude, we still will sell 300. My team will sell 300 houses this year. I'll do it working an hour a week in that business. My business partner will work four or five hours a week in that business. And we were able to do that because we have systems, we have amazing people. And because we've, taking care of our sphere of influence and our past clients for over a decade. Well, for, you know, like 14 years now. And when you do that, when you, when you do something as boring as like be the resource for your sphere of influence, your clients, like when they need a AC guy or, you know, plumber or whatever, when you do that, you truthfully take care of people for a long period of time, day in, day out, it's kind of boring. But what happens is it compounds and you look up one day and you like, I mean, I, literally you start to wonder like how do you not sell more real estate like you look at other agents like are you trying to not sell are you just mm -hmm. inventing stuff to make yourself busy so you don't have to sell real estate because if you just take care of people and you're really good to them and you build relationships you can't help but to trip over transactions i i think that we you know i get a lot of referrals as you know and it's so organic. So I think it's just something in us that we just want to go be a value to people. Like it's just in our DNA to off like 
you know, if we did other industries, we'd probably be the same in those industries. Like we just want to provide value to people. Our service is just what we do. Yes. Like that's the service I picked, but like, I'm still the same human being, whether I'm in this business or this business. So I've got to provide value to you. And I think that some people might be so focused on commissions and money. And if they just understood it from a high level, you know, like in my office, I always say, just take care of the people, you know, like I have clients that I sit with and I'm like, Hey, don't sell your house, rent it. You know, someone might be like, Hey, you lost 16 G's. I'm like, it was right for the person. Huh. That's what you've got to do. And if you just keep doing that over the years, it'll compound. Like it's, it's just the only way it can happen. Yeah. There's no, and you mentioned like the other business, the thing is like, if you, most agents are focused on being an agent or salesperson, you mentioned the commission thing. Whereas if you take the time to, you, you don't have to, this is the beautiful thing about real estate. You get to pick, but if you take the time to learn the business and you truthfully learn how to run a great real estate business, you can run any business. Like you're fully equipped to run any business in any industry. Um, and like, because you can fill out, you can fill the technical holes with technicians in every industry. Right on. So how can people reach out to you if they want to? Yeah, probably the best way is our podcast is called the Kevin and Fred show. You know, super originally titled there or Facebook or Instagram, like in Facebook. I'm sure there's not that many Kevin Kaufman's, but you could just go to next level agents, which is a Facebook group and not be the only Kevin Kaufman in there or on Instagram. Um, but truthfully, or I guess even kevinandfred.com. Right on, man. Dude, I appreciate you. You don't know this, but, or maybe you do. I've told you once before, but I followed you from the short sell era. I actually have to say that you taught me my mindset in the short sell era. You didn't teach me actually how to do the transaction, but I think that's the coolest part is the technicalities of a transaction are one thing. The mindset's another thing. I actually would say the mindset's probably more valuable than the transaction, uh, learning the tacticals. You got me through that era. And I've just, I followed you now for 15 years, just from afar. We've got a closer relationship over the last probably nine months. And I'm like super grateful to know you and like what you do for the real estate community, you probably will never realize, but it's just, it's powerful. And I don't think you realize how many people you impact. And I just want to say thank you publicly. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It means a lot. Cause I, cause I did, I, I respect you a great deal. And uh, so I received that. Thank you. Cool, man. Hey, I appreciate your time, man. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Join the Kevin and Fred community, part of EXP Realty and partner with us today. You'll get free access to live trainings two or more times a month, live events and in-person masterminds, digital downloads to help you run and scale your business, and much, much more. To learn more and join our community, visit kevinandfred.com contact and contact us today. Not ready to join our community? No problem. Continue enjoying all this great content on our podcast for free.